Rami Zaid Show, interviewing interesting people so people can learn interesting things. Here is your host, Rami Zaid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rami Zaid Show, where I interview interesting people so people can learn interesting things. My guest today is Afif Ghanoum. Afif is a former biotechnology attorney turned co-founder and now CEO at Biome Health, which is a microbiome company providing probiotic supplements, super greens powders, and colon cleanse products for gut health, just to name a few. The story of Afif and his co-founder, his father, Mahmoud Ghanoum, is unbelievable. You're going to enjoy that. You're going to enjoy Afif, and you're going to enjoy learning a little bit about gut health. That said, here's my conversation with Afif Ganoum. Afif Ganoum, welcome to the Rami Zaid Show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Afif, you're a biotechnology attorney turned co-founder and CEO at Biome Health, which is a microbiome company providing many, many items regarding gut health. And we're going to get to gut health, what that means, and all the things that you guys are doing. But I want to start our conversation off today, Afif, with the story of your co-founder at Biome, which is your father, Mahmoud Ghanoum. Your father, who is now known as the leading microbiome researcher in the world, has an amazing story. I'm not going to do it justice. I want you to talk about it, Afif. But in 1990, Kuwait, his country, which was invaded by Saddam Hussein, I believe you were about 10 years old at the time. and. Yeah. I heard you said in a past article, I read it, that this time was seared on you and a thief, but would love for you to describe to the listeners that story of your father, that time, and the incredible story of a travel agent. And that I will zip my lip and would love for you to tell the listeners that story. Yeah, for sure. My dad's actually Lebanese, my mom's English, and we were living in Kuwait. He was a researcher there from 80 to 90. And we would go back to England every year because my mom was from there. So... We're on vacation. We're a day or two from going back to Kuwait and it's invaded. And we are stuck kind of like, you know, you are on summer vacation with like summer clothes, you know, school's about to start and we're just completely stuck. So it was on the local news in England and a local university literally gave us a dorm room for family of five to stay while we figured out what was going on. So my dad actually ended up because you got to remember, this is like pre-internet. There is no e-trade. There is no none of this stuff, right? So all my parents, like everything from birth certificates to family photos to like their savings were literally in gold, right? That they had in the bank. It was all in Kuwait. So my dad says, my mom, look, I need to go back. Like this stuff's just like our entire life is there. And so he ended up going from England to Germany, Germany to Jordan, Jordan to Baghdad. And then he was supposed to have a flight from Baghdad into Kuwait. And they're like, Kuwait no longer exists. It's greater Iraq. So he's stuck now in Baghdad. And again, there's no iPhones and no nothing. So my, my mom and, you know, we have no idea where he's at, if he's okay, all this stuff. So he ends up getting a ride on a micro bus, like one of those old Mitsubishi micro buses. Wow. Into the front lines of the war in Kuwait with a bus full of Iraqi soldiers being moved to the front lines. And it's like a you know 16, 20 hour drive through the desert into the middle of Kuwait City. And it was just, you know, my dad said it was like horrific. It was, it was just like true war. And he came out of 
the Lebanese Civil War. Do you know what I mean? So he was already kind of like his whole life, you know, kind of seen this. So yeah, he was supposed to be there for a couple of weeks and he ended up staying for a few months because there was basically an underground network, like because Kuwaitis, Europeans, a lot of people were in hiding. And my dad being Lebanese could move pretty freely around Kuwait. So we started getting messages. My mom started getting messages like, I'm in Brazil. I met your husband in Kuwait. He's going to try and get out, you know, on this date. I'm in Germany. I met your husband. He's, you know, now moving around the country, you know, like little like patchwork message system. And so he ended up because basically word was going around that the allies were going to invade. So now it was like time to get the hell out of there. So he had no car or anything, but his cousin was extremely handy. He was like a mechanic. So they basically found an abandoned Pepsi truck, got it working, and drove that not only back out of Kuwait, but all the way back to Lebanon from Kuwait. Wow. So, so he ends up back in Lebanon. We finally get a hold of him. He comes back and kind of the the after the exhilaration at that piece ends, we're still stuck in England, right? Like we have some stuff, but you know, we don't really have anything, you know, England's kind of, uh, if you're like, this is one of the things people don't sometimes appreciate about the U S like anybody can make it. If you really like are really good at what you do, you know, you can really find a path forward in England. If you're not like right school systems, you're not in the network. It's very difficult to sort of build your career. So he was getting like basically part-time adjunct professor, like little teaching roles, but he was, you know, all his research had stopped. So a couple years before he had been invited to present at a conference in DC. And so he literally had a physical ticket. Again, this is like 1991, pre-internet, you know, tickets. Right. So he had a ticket to DC and I think it was the Willard Hotel in DC, a nice hotel. And he said, my mom, I'm gonna try and get a job. You know, so he, again, we had no money. <laughs> People were giving us money, like goodwill kind of stuff. So my dad had no money. He gets on a flight, he gets there, he's eating apples from the lobby and he goes to the conference Again, just like, it's funny when you think back of these, these things, like how different technology is. My parents literally rented a typewriter and my dad wrote out essentially a CV. Oh my gosh. You know, so he had like paper CVs. So he's going around this conference and they're like, this is all the lab techs. We don't hire anybody. The guys who are hiring, like the department heads, they're coming next week for a conference. That's where you need to be. And my dad's like, supposed to be going back to England in two days. So he's walking around DC, he's like despondent. And, you know, I think, and I'm his age, I'm actually a year older than he was going through that whole situation. I just think like, I'm not sure I would have been able to like, you know, kind of get to that. But instead of kind of giving up, he sees his travel agent. And again, he has a one-way ticket back to England. So he says to the guy, because he had a friend in Milwaukee from Lebanon that didn't have his phone number, but if I can get to Milwaukee, I can get back to DC in a week. So he says to the guy, I need you to change my ticket. And it was African-American guy. And I can't pay you. And the guy's like, I can't do that. Like I lose my job. And the guy's like, you're African-American. You understand struggle. I'm struggling. Like I need your help. And he spends like a couple of hours. He walks him through just everything. Basically I told you like the whole adventure. And this dude pays out of his pocket, changes my dad's ticket and then gives my dad $80, like essentially for, to buy food and stuff. So my dad leaves, he ends up getting back to that conference and he gets a job offer at UCLA. So we ended up from that whole thing, instead of like just walking away, my dad got, actually, he actually got two job offers, one in Detroit and shockingly he picked, you know, LA. <laughs> yeah, good pick. Yeah. So, you know, we ended up in end of 91, moving to Los Angeles and we were there for several years. And then we ended up moving where I am now in Cleveland because my dad got a job at Case Western School of Medicine. And the entire time my dad's publishing 
you know, he's been funded from almost the day he got to UCLA. He's been funded by the NIH to study basically germs impacts on our body and, you know, including obviously the microbiome. So this guy, this travel agent was kind of like a family legend because, you know, this guy changed our life. You know, it's kind of butterfly effect. Like we'd probably still be in England at this point. Right. So I would tell the story and people would always ask, well, who is this guy? I don't know. You know, my dad had gone back to DC a couple of years later, tried to find him and the travel agency had closed. So maybe like three years ago, I'm telling a story and my friend's like, how do you not know this guy? And I said, I, I don't know. He goes, dude, just put something on Facebook or something. Like it, this is like, we're in this networked age. Yeah. This is like such an amazing story. You should be able to find this person. So I put this post on Facebook, I make it public and I'm like, who knows? And I basically put like, were you an African-American travel agent from 1990? I put a picture of my dad and I put the whole story. And I knew I had some friends in DC. So like I figured, who knows, right? Any city ends up being a small city with people. Oh yeah, real quick. Yep. So comment, comment, comment. And then hundreds of comments, people are tagging other people and someone from the Washington Post reads it. And this woman messages me. She's like, our reporter, this story is like amazing. And so she writes this article about my dad. It's basically like this grateful scientist wants to thank the stranger, right? The second comment is this woman. And she said, it's like making me choke up talking about it. This second comment, this woman's like, this is my boss, Jimmy Dorsey. So we don't know, like, maybe it is, maybe it's not. And there's hundreds of comments. So we track this guy down and he had just died. Like four or five months before oh. we get a hold of, like I literally call because I find an obituary for him. I literally call the funeral and it sounds like a wackadoodle calling, right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I can't give you the family's name, any of this stuff, right? So, and then this is where, again, the world is small. I end up finding his wife, get a hold of her. And she's like, I remember this. I remember him telling me about this because it was like $300 in like 1991 or something. Like it was a lot of money. Yeah. You know, and she was like, what are you doing? And she's like, he was just wired this way. He was like a Vietnam vet. He was volunteer firefighter. He's just a very good person, right? So we find this woman. And so I post, oh my God, we found. And then other people in the Cleveland area start tagging each other with the same last name. And this guy had grown up two streets over from where my parents live in Cleveland now. Unbelievable. Yeah. So we ended up, we never got to pay him back. So my dad actually funded a scholarship in his name at Case Western. And it was just to this day, like, you know, anytime I think about it, it's, it's, you really can change someone's life with something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it was just crazy. Yeah. That story of FIFA. And I read the article. It was Petula Dvorak from the Washington Post that did that article. And I think you know, she published that in September. I think the next month it was case closed, found the guy. And I'm so glad that you told that story in detail because I think you can peel back that onion. It's an act of kindness. And what that act of kindness did for you and your family and now what you and your family are doing for the greater good of all these people, it's like that one act of kindness, that $80 probably ended up saving hundreds of lives at the end of the day. It's unbelievable. And just think about yourself now, if someone approached you asking for that, I know myself, I'd be highly skeptical of the whole thing. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, yeah. It was one of those that my dad's a very like uh, earnest guy. You can just, you know, so it was, yeah, it was just really cool. You know, even though he had passed away, it was really nice to see almost like a gift to his family of, you know, and she had forgotten about it. Like, 
you know, he had just passed away and it was this really sort of kind of nice reminder of this guy, very important person in their lives. Like this amazing effect he had on this other part of the family in the, in like the city where he's from, like proclaimed it his day and stuff. Like it was, it was really, really a really nice event. And the Washington Post was super nice about it, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Afi. That's such a great story and sets the tone for the the conversation. We're going to get into biome, like I said at the beginning, but for each and every interview I do, Afif, I ask executive like yourselves how they start their day. And I've had, you know, VCs, athletes, CEOs like you, and that frankly is the most feedback I get post-show of what people like and don't like. And if you're a hot mess in the morning or if you are very structured. So Afif, I want to ask you, how do you typically start your day? I do the same thing every single morning. I'm by nature, I'm pretty tight wire. It's like, I'm kind of like, I wake up with like anxious energy. So for me, again, to actually tying to my dad, when my dad was about 50, 72 now, he just started every day exercising, like religiously, vacation, it didn't matter, every day about an hour. He's a super spry guy and he kind of really credits the fact that he started early, just no matter what, I have to do this. So I do the same, I lift weights every single morning. So naturally I get up about 5.30, I'm in the car by like 5.45, I go lift weights for maybe 45 minutes an hour. And then I come back and I track everything. I do everything religiously. And I like, no matter what happens, I did that today. You know, and so for me, one of the things that a number of people have said it, but it's, it's funny, it's a little bit of bro science, but like one of the things that really kind of keeps me going is Joe Rogan always talks about the fact that motivation comes and goes, right? There's some days you just really want to go after it. Some days you don't. And that affects athletes the way it affects everyone else. People who do all sorts of amazing things. The only difference is those people, even when they're not feeling up for it, will still do it. You know what I mean? So for me, I always think about that. If I'm tired, I'm like, just get up, just do it. Like, so that's every single morning. And the weight routine, Afif, is this something you, you're making up? Is this off a Peloton or some other? Yeah, great question. No, it's like free weights, machine weights. I track my own workouts. I threw discus in college. So oh, okay. I've always been around weightlifting. I wrestled, I played football. So for me, it was just, you know, kind of like riding a bike, getting back, you know, into a very good routine. But we can talk about, the, you know, exercise on which days we can get into the details as you like. I basically do each body part twice a week. So I, six days a week and I'll take one day off. Basically. Ah, that's great. Perfect. Well, let's get into gut health. For the listeners, Afif, I'll just ask a simple question if you could explain what is gut health? When you talk about gut health, it can really mean two things, right? So gut health can be basically how you feel, right? Like, do you feel bloated? Do you have digestive issues? That sort of thing. So when you're talking about the health of your gut, a lot of times people are talking about the symptoms of, of how they're actually feeling. The other part is what we call the microbiome, which are literally the germs that live in your gut. Now, importantly, microbiome can we have several microbiomes in our body, our skin, our mouth, and our gut, you know, even, you know, women have a vaginal microbiome. So when we're talking about the microbiome, we're specifically talking about the gut. And so many people have heard about like good bacteria's role in all this, really the part where we kind of differentiate ourselves with my father, he actually named the microbiome, the fungal community in our body. So a lot of times people are surprised, oh, there's fungus in the body, but especially for women, an example that often resonates is that Many times when a woman will take an antibiotic and kill all the bacteria, they'll get a yeast infection. That's because yeast is a fungi. It's not impacted by antibiotics, which kills the bacteria. So 
It's just like any environment. If you kill off one thing that's keeping the system in check, the other will go out of control. So for example, you'll hear about babies having candida thrush. That's a fungus. It's because their system's a little out of control or elderly people or someone with cancer. So really the key to gut health is keeping your gut microbiome equally balanced, right? The good guys, the bad guys, all of it keeps itself in check. The problem is it's what we call multifactorial. There's a number of issues that can affect it. Your genetics, your diet, which many people are aware of. But one thing people are surprised about is your lifestyle. If you're highly stressed, if you don't sleep a lot, those are things that can really throw your gut health off. Like we actually do microbiome testing and we'll see people that they eat perfectly well. They don't have a genetic history of, of issues, but they're highly stressed. And, you know, stress can be brought in a couple of different ways. Obviously there's job stress, like we all deal with. We've actually had people that are elite athletes, bodybuilders, CrossFitters who have terrible digestive issues. What they don't realize is they're putting so much stress on their system that can cause issues as well. You know what I mean? So it's sometimes a little bit of the boring answer that it's all about moderation, right? If you keep things in check, usually that's how you can control, you know, how your GI is feeling. What foods help good digestion or gut health? That's a great question. So if you had one thing to concentrate on, because we always talk about probiotics, but really one of the keys is prebiotics. The way to think about it is if, you know, your gut is a garden and probiotics are the seeds, like the plants, if you don't have really good topsoil, it's not going to be a really great garden, right? So what prebiotics are is a fancy word for dietary fiber. All that is, is it lowers the pH in your GI. It's really friendly to probiotics. It's just basically food for probiotics. And again, this is not things that many people have not heard, but it's like a heavy plant-based diet, light on protein. Those are going to be the things that are, for the most part, are going to have the sort of 80-20 effect. Now, everybody's a little different, right? So I'll give you an example. We had this group of women a few years ago that had really high overgrowth of this very aggressive fungi called zygomycota. Mm-hmm. Typically, my dad would only see that in highly immunocompromised people, people with cancer, HIV, that sort of thing. But it was enough of these women that were like, that's highly unlikely, right? What we, we found was that they were completely cutting out carbs, completely cutting out dairy, both of which are really actually surprisingly gut friendly at reasonable levels, right? So they started to introduce those back in, GI issues started to be less severe, right? So again, sometimes I'll say that and people are like, but I'm lactose intolerant. Well, you got to know your system, right? Maybe it just doesn't agree with you, but then you can adjust with some other things. So honestly, I would look at getting prebiotics, dietary fiber, a lot more plants into your diet. That's going to make a big difference. So you mentioned lactose intolerant, and I'm bringing this to myself. I am. And a question I have since I have you now, I discovered this in my early 20s. And if I touch an ounce of milk or if there's something, it's game over and you don't want to see me for the next few few hours. But are there ways to regain tolerance to lactose once it's already lost? That's a great question. So one of the big areas of research is there seems to be a connection between the microbiome and lactose intolerance. So it's still early days, but definitely there's a microbiome connection there. So that's one area, I don't know if you have, but it would be worth seeing like, what is the state of your microbiota? Because we definitely see people that they may not be completely lactose intolerant, but they'll have sensitivities, same with gluten, things like that, where, you know, really can get a lot better if their microbiome actually 
ends up being in, in check. But the one thing I'll say, because it's very easy to feel like there's a silver bullet solution for a lot of these things. And the reality is when we look at people's, could people do a, a pretty heavy duty questionnaire when they take our test? A lot of times people are shooting themselves in the foot. You know, they're not doing the things that they're eating fast food, they're, they drink a lot of alcohol, they're highly stressed. They don't actually need to take a test and their microbiome. If they, you know, kind of modulate the things they probably know they should be doing, you know, they'd probably see a lot of progress, right? So, you know, we always joke, there's no like secret juju berry in the Amazon that's going to make you <laughs> feel better, right? Like it's, so we always say like, look, dietary supplements really should be a supplement to what you're doing with your diet. Nothing is going to undo if you're wreaking havoc on your system yourself, you know? Do you believe that interim fasting is good for your gut and digestive tract? Yeah. So there's a lot of science showing that it's not the best, but this is where there's a big caveat. It ends up being what will work for your system. There's some people that if you saw the way that they eat, you would just assume they have terrible digestive issues and they don't, you know what I mean? Now it might otherwise be unhealthy, but it really comes down to like what your system tolerates. Are you going to have issues if you're adjusting your microbiome? Some people swear on a carnivore diet that they, I know for me, heavy protein feels a lot better than moderated protein, carbohydrates, and fats, right? It's just that works for my system. So a lot of it is understanding what for you is going to be a trigger or not. Thanks, Afif. I want to take one step backwards, going back to you know your background as an attorney and then your father starting this company. And I listened to a podcast you were in earlier this year where you know you felt that jumping in from a legal career in the middle of financial crisis to this didn't seem maybe as risky as some would at that time. But I would love for you to kind of describe that time. And the reason I'm asking for that is I'm sure there's people that are listening right now and they're saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I've been trained in this, but I really want to do this, but I'm afraid to take that leap. So with that, Afif, would love to know what was going on at that time and why you did take that leap with your father. 100%. So I was at an Amlaw 100 law firm, like mega law firm. In fact, my wife's a partner at an Amlaw 100 firm. So, you know, we're dyed in the wool sort of legal background. But there were two things going on, actually three. One, middle of the financial crisis, right? Like I remember distinctly, we were working on a corporate deal and it was a billionaire client. And this guy in the middle of the deal was at threat of going bankrupt. And that to me was like, oh my God, this guy who to me was just like unending wealth, all of a sudden was financially potentially exposed. Like it was that like crazy of a period. And I looked and the other thing I saw was that we were helping everybody else achieve their goals, like business goals, things like that. I wasn't doing it for myself, but really it was a third was that my dad had done a deal for a patent coming out of his lab. And he basically ended up with no equity because he was essentially like cheated, right? Yeah. And I thought I'm a corporate attorney. I'm working like crazy to help other people. My own dad is getting, you know, bamboozled. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. I want to bet on myself because honestly, it was also not a difficult bet because it did not feel very stable then, even at a, at a mega law firm, you know? Sure. So, mm -hmm. And I firmly believe that. Like, I think I have conversations all the time with people who have like essentially a job they hate, but it's very secure. It's very reliable. It's unnerving to think about leaving that, you know, for something. But I do, in my bones, I feel, and, and maybe it's, listen, I was a kid, we lost everything. I don't think anything's actually secure, right? I think there's always a chance that someone's going to buy the company or there's going to be a restructure. We hear about it all the time. Oh, they're laying off 30% of their staff. You could be an amazing worker and just that could happen, right? So 
for me, it was worth taking the chance, but not recklessly. Like if you need to dip your toes in, there's a lot of ways to do that. Now you're hearing about all this, like quiet quitting, all this stuff right now. So I firmly believe if you want to do it, it, there's definitely a way to do it without risking it all at first. But, you know, it's like uh, in the, I always use this analogy. Remember in the Indiana Jones, the last crusader needs to get across the gully and it's like supposed to be a bridge and he just has to have faith and take a step and there's a bridge, right? Yep. At some point you got to take the step off the cliff and go for it, right? Like there's no other way around it. You have to take some risk. And the only other thing I'd say is it can be a real, real golden handcuff. Like you can get to a point in your career, you're making really nice money. And I've had many conversations, frank conversations with people are like, well, I want to do that, but I have to make 180,000. If I, and I'm like, just probably not realistic, at least to start. Now, if it works, you end up making 10 X that, but you take a step back if you want to do this, you know? Right. You know, I love stuff that you said in that same, podcast I listened to that now you being CEO and it speaks a little bit to what you're talking about even jumping in is you have to be very comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that to your point, you know, really nothing's secure at the end of the day. So you might as well do something you really want to do and love because life's short. And at the end of the day, if you look back and you're 80 years old saying, I did something I hated this entire time, you know, why didn't you get uncomfortable and take that risk? And we are in America. And to your point earlier, there's not a lot of places you can do that. You can for sure do it here. Yeah. I always say, listen, you can be uncomfortable and be working two jobs with no health insurance and you're doing it for someone else, or you can do it yourself and pick your heart basically. Like none of it's easy. You know, it's like I saw that heard this guy say, there's no money and easy. Everything you're going to do is difficult. You might as well do it for yourself. You know, love it. Afif, tell us a little bit about Biome, a little bit about what you guys are doing, but really the supplements and probiotics and things that you guys are are putting out. would love the listeners to hear. Yeah, for sure. So our big innovation was that we designed the first probiotics purposely made to balance both bacteria and fungi in the gut. And it was based off my father's science where he showed that bacteria and fungi really can be destructive when they're working in the GI if you don't try and balance both of them. So We've published almost half a dozen papers now. We have multiple clinical trials that we've shown to prove it because we really believe in leading with science first. And it came out of this idea of bacteria is only half the story of the gut. So probiotics really should be addressing both. So we have everything from you know capsule probiotics to you know super green, super reds, and obviously the microbiome testing that I was mentioning before. So you know, and, and it's fun. Like, like you said, it can be stressful and uncomfortable, but every day I get to interact with scientists like my dad, world-class partners in, you know, the ingredient space or at leading medical institutions. Like that's really cool that we get to do that. You know, what would you say, I guess, beyond probiotics, what are in general ways people can nourish their gut? Yeah. So a lot of it is in eliminating certain things. And again, if you look GI issues and we deal with people that have serious GI issues, a lot of times we look at what they're doing and it's not necessarily about adding something, it's about subtracting something. So managing their stress, managing their alcohol consumption, adjusting their diet, just those three factors, enormous differences without adding anything else in. Those are the main things. Because if you don't do that, like I said, no product's going to help you. You should run for the hills if you come across people that claim otherwise. What do you believe the future of gut health is? I think it's going to come down to 
this idea of precision nutrition and precision medicine, right? That we're really going to be very informed about what's actually going on in our microbiome almost on a constant basis and be able to adjust from there. I think you're seeing it show up now in other areas where people are practically managing their blood sugar, you know, obviously health metrics like the aura ring, things like that, that personalized tracking, that's where it's going to head. Now, it, it will take a long time because at the end of the day, those things now still are very expensive. So I think at some point where it becomes very, very cost effective, you're going to start seeing that infiltrating anything. What's happening now is in how we create ingredients. That precision is starting to, that we're doing that. We're using our data to create better microbiome ingredients because instead of doing you know, a small handful of people in a clinical trial, we can look at thousands of people in our data and say, these are the actual microbiome issues they're dealing with. Right. So then we design from that. So it's already happening sort of in the innovation supply chain. I think ultimately it will come to how individuals manage their actual health on their own individual basis. You guys, and by you guys, I mean Biome Health are, are leaders, obviously, in this. And I guess with that said, you being the CEO of the company, what challenges do you see ahead of you, even though right now it seems like you're at the top of the pyramid in this specific, call it gut health science. What challenges do you see ahead of you now that I just asked, you know, what the future of gut health is? Yeah. So as a company, the challenges are really R&D risk. Like we're going to continue to do clinical trials, see that come together. Capital risk, you know, are we able to continue to grow? And especially in markets like this, you know, navigate that. That's a real issue that everybody's dealing with. And continuing to build the talent pipeline. That's, you know, one thing we went fully remote during COVID. One thing that unlocked for us is instead of having a Cleveland mindset about who we hire, we now hire from all over the country. Like our supply chains run out of Dallas. We hired a president in New York City. You know, now we have access to talent all over the country. It remains to be seen how you continue to build a company on a culture level, fully remote. But I think that's, you know, something that just not only we are going to deal with, but I would say those those are the three things as a company that, we're just going to continue to have to manage. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing, Afif. I wanted to ask you because your father has this tipping point. And it's a question I ask most of my guests is if you look back to your career, is there a moment or tipping point that you can say, oh man, this really changed? Obviously, your dad has that. Is there a moment for you that you can look back and say, that was a big moment in my life that now has got me to this point? Yeah. I think it was taking that first step to run my own business. We had a first company in the oral care space. And when, again, when you, the one thing is when you take that leap out of sort of like corporate big culture, it's very difficult to go back in. So once I was like sort of out of it, I knew I was out of it. Right. But you know, that to me was probably the defining moment. We're going to get into some rapid fire, some fun stuff, Afif here in a second, but I want you to let the listeners know for your supplements, where they can find it. I'm assuming the, the website is the best, but Really quick, if you could explain to the listeners where they can find the supplements on Biome Health. Yeah, for sure. So first is our website, biomehealth.com, which is just B as in boy, I-O-H-M health.com. Also Amazon, those are probably the two outlets and increasingly we're going into retail actually. Perfect. I know there is also, because I did it, there's a cool little gut health survey. Yeah, guttesting.com. That's actually really cool because it's based on millions of our microbiome data points to tell you if you're statistically likely to have an imbalanced gut and it takes about, we designed it to be able to take in about two minutes. So uh, yeah, and guttesting.com. 
Yeah, perfect. I did it. Okay. Are you ready for some rapid fire, some fun stuff? Hit me. <laughs> All right. Afif, first question is my walk-up song question. So in Major League Baseball, I don't know if you're a, well, now Guardians fan, I guess you're in Cleveland, but MLB batters, when they go up to the plate, they have a bat in hand and there's a song playing for them. What would be your song? Easiest question. I am a true American by Hulk Hogan. <laughs> That's a great one. I have not heard that one. That's a good one. The Hulk's not from Cleveland, is he? He's not, but he's, yeah. from, he's from everywhere. He's from everywhere. Hulkamania. I like that. Okay. Next question. This is personal. What is one thing, Afif, you do not mind spending money on? Eating out. I love going out for a nice dinner and my kids. Yep. Love it. Okay. I actually have not, usually at some point in the, in a conversation, a quote hits my brain. I've not said one today, but I'm a big quote geek. Is there a quote or quotes, Afif, that have stuck with you through time or the most recent one that's on top of mind? The only one I ever care about is The Man in the Arena by Theodore Roosevelt. Because if you have not actually done the dance yourself, don't comment on it, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I love that. If anybody who's done something themselves, whether athlete, entrepreneur, that quote should really resonate. That's great. Favorite sport? Uh, basketball. Basketball. Okay. So do we like LeBron? Do we not like LeBron? It's hard not to like LeBron. You know, it's, it's a little bit love hate, but he did bring a championship. He came back. So in fact, at my first law firm, I did some work for him at like I was 18 rungs down in the seniority, but when he was 18, still in high school, we're like, this guy's the next coming. He's next coming. Yeah, he sure was. Awesome. Sure is. He's still going. If you could choose, so I'll take away attorney, I'll take away anything to do with gut health, a completely different profession, what would it be and why? I would be Mr. Beast. <laughs> Explain that one. My kids love him. I'm like, this dude just created his whole world from nothing. It's really amazing. So I love that guy. <laughs> okay, Mr. Beast. Okay. What would you do, Afif, if you were given a free... 60 second, which is a long time, 60 second advertisement slot during a Super Bowl game, biggest audience one day a year. What would you do? I would 100% do the QR code ad like Coinbase did about Biome Health. And I think there's something to be said about just getting your message in front of everybody. And yeah, it's probably not a fun answer, but I would 100% do that. Yeah, love it. Okay. If you were stranded on an island, and could pick any celebrity, dead or alive, to be with you on that island, who would it be and why? Bear grills so we can get out of there alive. <laughs> okay. Fighting your way out. I love it. Okay. Ultimate dinner. Call this the ultimate dinner. You can have whatever meal in the world you like and whatever you want in that glass. There's no consequences the next day. There's no gut health consequences, but what would be on your plate or plates and in the glass if you'd like something in the glass? My wife would kill me, but it would be Benihana and a glass of Sapporo. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's good. Afif, this has been so much fun and so educational. It frankly, a little bit near and dear to my heart, given the, the gut health issues on my end, and I don't want to go down my own bowels, but it was really cool, you know, just doing the research and clicking through your website on the different options you have for people out there. That said, is there anything that you want to leave the the listeners with? 
No, I honestly, I really appreciate it. This was fun. And, you know, it's sometimes it's all like personal or it's all business. This was like a fun intermingling of, of both. So I really appreciate it. Great, Afif. Well, thank you for your time. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks again, listeners. And I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Afif Ganum. You can find Afif and Biome at www biomehealth.com. That's B-I-O-H-M-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And you can find me at my website, ramizade.com. That's R-O-M-Y-Z-E-I-D.com. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And I hope you all learned something interesting. Interesting.